0: Hello, and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at post office box 761 Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. All right. Well, if your kids are dismissed, teachers be flexible because I don't know how long I'll be able to. Talk. <laughs> oh, and the youth, yeah, and the youth to their to their class as well. All right. Oh. Little people. Check. There we go. Huh. All right. Well, you guys are stuck with me today. My dad's homesick. We did. He did finally go to the to the uh, hospital, and so he's got an upper respiratory infection. So be praying for him. And uh have got quite a few people that are that are sick, and I'm getting over being sick myself. So um, not really sure what what I wanted to talk about. Uh, since they kind of sprung it on me, but, uh, so we'll just kind of go with it and bear bear with it, amen, all right, how's everybody doing, okay, thank you for those holy murmurs, that was great, everybody's like, ah, fine, (laughs) all right, well, um, you guys can you can start you can kind of find Ezekiel in your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. I'll try to put it up there here in a second. But uh, we'll talk about a couple little things. Um, so we just entered into a new year, and I guess depending on how you count, people say in a new decade, which floors me still because I I don't under I don't understand how you can start counting with zero. But but whatever because we. Ten, ten years is a decade, and last I heard, the, the zero year is the ten year, because we didn't start at one, so, anyway, I'm just a little confusing. <coughs> but anyways, depending on how you count, it's 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 ten years since something happened in your life, I'm sure, so I guess in that sense, every year is a new decade, isn't it? So. But what year did we just enter? That's not a trick question, not a trick question at all twenty twenty and we say when we say twenty twenty what uh what does that make you think of two two thousand twenty years okay Anything? Yeah. okay i hadn't heard that one that's a new one. Twenty, but twenty the the term 2020, 2020 vision that's uh, that's kind of the one i was thinking of was uh, was twenty twenty vision whenever i was kind of looking at it. When we say 20-20 vision, does anybody know what that means? People say it a lot. Huh? Perfect vision. That's usually what we call perfect vision. It's, it's actually a combination of things that give you perfect vision because it's possible to have 20-20 vision and uh, and still not be able to, uh, to see very well, believe it or not. Um, and that's where kind of farsighted and nearsightedness comes in, but huh? Uh, and that's kind of what we'll talk about, about, metaphorically. And but but vision, we use 2020 vision. Does anybody know what 2020 what what that what that term means in terms of vision? It, <laughs> actually, people with 2020 usually don't, unless they've got astigmatism. Uh, all right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can broadcast my my screen here. Let's see if we can. See if I can show you. Nothing. There we go. All right, does that look familiar? <laughs> well, we're doing our best here. All right, is that, does this little chart look familiar? Remember that one from like school and you had to hold the little spoon over one of your eyes? You had to stand. Anybody know how far away from that chart you stand? Twenty feet, which is is part of the reasons why we use the term twenty twenty in terms of twenty twenty vision. And so, see those. There's a there's some letters that kind of get increasingly smaller, and uh, as you, as you move down the the numbered lines. Okay, now it's you can't really see it because it's hard to it's hard to see. But you see the one that's, that says number eight, which is right above the. Uh, the red line. Okay, that is the that's actually the 2020 line. The reason it's, you have trouble reading is because you're farther than 20 feet away, but but it's a standardized chart. This is called a, the Snellen chart, and the Snellen chart is what they would use. And that you, you would stand you would stand back about six meters or 20 feet, okay, and you would put uh, you know the little spoon over one of your eyes, and you would start reading the chart from the top to the bottom as as far as you could, all the way down. And hopefully, you would get to at least number eight and be able to read the uh, letters that are there at number eight. Can anybody can anybody read the letters that are at number eight from this distance? Yeah, we, got, we, got, we got a few. We got a few younger eyes. Okay, good. That's all right. And it's not a per, it's not a perfect test because I've got it up on a screen. I don't know if that's the right size. You're farther than 20 feet away, obviously. You know, so. But if you go to if you find one of the actual Snellen charts and you go, and you measure out 20 feet, and you stand there, let's, let's just say that from, from this line over there is 20 feet, or over here, okay, and, and you're able to read line eight with both of your eyes, then that means that each one of your eyes has 20-20 vision. What that means is that is that a standard person, you can read at 20 feet what a, what a normal person can read at 20 feet. That's what 20-20 vision means. Now, if if you can't, let's say that you only got down to line to line seven, you couldn't read line eight, but you could read line seven. Let's say maybe in one of your eyes, then that eye would be would, would have 20/25 20, vision. Okay, which means that that you can read, uh, you can only read it at uh, at 20 feet what somebody what a normal person can read at 25 feet. Okay, so it's not quite as good. 20/20 is not the best best vision. You've got people that have 20-15, 20-10 vision in, in one or both eyes, which means that they can read at 20 feet what a normal person can only read at 15 or 10 feet away. Okay? In other words, they can read, they can read maybe down to, to lines 10 or 11 at 20 feet, whereas a normal person would have to step closer, maybe 15 or, or 10 feet away, to be able to read that chart. Everybody with me? Okay? So now, if, if all you could read was the E... At the top, that's an E. That is 200 feet, so that is 2200 vision. Okay, and bl- and then the next line is is the, the F and P. That is 100 feet. That's that is 2100 vision. And I believe that, that is the point at which you're legally blind. It's either 20 or 100 or 2200. You are you are legally blind. You can people who are legally blind can still can still see in a lot of cases, but in terms of of driving and some of those kind of things. Uh, they're considered legally blind and not allowed to drive. Uh, anybody who can't read, I believe it's, it's down pat, uh, to line five or six when you, whenever you're taking your, your driving test chart uh, would have to have glasses to get them to that point to be able to drive. And then of course there's some people that have driving restrictions at night. But this is called the Snellen chart. If you ever want to look that up at home, it is the Snellen chart, so lots of fun. So whenever I heard 2020 and we were going into the year 2020, I, uh, I thought about, about vision and kind of what it takes, and I wanted to do a little bit of, uh, of research and looking up um, because it's a term we throw around, 2020, a lot, and um, not a lot of us know exactly what that means. So hopefully that was a fun little educational experience for you uh, this morning as to as to vision you can go home and you can get one of these charts and you can you can practice and see what you can read at 20 feet and you can have a little contest with your with your uh your uh your family see who's got the best vision and then you can kind of figure out why what lenses you have then you got nearsighted farsighted, sighted color blindness and all that good stuff there's lots of things that affect what we call this this sense of of vision that we have and um it's a, it's a pretty big one. Vision is probably one of, the, one of the senses that people would probably pick last to lose, um, and yet there's people um, that have lived part of or their entire lives without vision at all. In fact, from what I understand, it's actually easier to cope with being blind than it is being deaf, which is hard for me to believe because if I had to pick, I'd probably, I'd probably choose to be able to see. How many of you would be able to? would pick that, given the choice between the two, pick, would pick sight. There was even a television show, I think it still still comes on, called 2020, and it was named after this concept of, of vision. So it's the first um, Sunday of the year, and I wanted to talk about vision because I saw 2020, and um, I just kind of felt like the Lord speaking, like maybe this is the year of a vision for some of you. Some of you guys have been looking forward to, to things, looking ahead, and, and your eyesight forward has not always been 2020, even when you've been seeking out the Lord. Sometimes your, your eyesight's been a little bit blurry about what's coming or why God is doing something specific or has allowed certain things to happen, or maybe maybe your vision has gotten blurry in turning the right direction or going the right the right way, you got a little, you got a little blurry-eyed, and so you picked the wrong path. Maybe you went to the left when you were supposed to go to the right. Maybe you picked the easy, sinful path when you should have path, taken that that road less traveled, that path of uh, of following the Lord, because sometimes it's it's not easy to do that. So this can mean a lot of different things to to a lot of different uh, people. But when we talk about 2020, I just wanted to talk about it being the year of vision and what does it really mean to have a vision of the Lord and and to see the Lord. So let's look at uh let's look at Ezekiel here. This is chapter one. <laughs> let's see if I can see if I can get the yeah <laughs> see if I can get this it'll just it'll just show us show us one instead of both that way. That way it might be a little bit bigger, and then I'll see if I can see if I can blow this up a little bit. How's that? Is that still too small? <laughs> see if I can get a little bigger here. There it is. I don't think it goes any bigger than that, so. That'll have to do better. Okay. (laughs) So now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Shabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Joachim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Uzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Shabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So that's a really long and uh, kind of bloated way of saying, ah, my name's Ezekiel, and, and this is, these are some things I saw that the Lord showed me. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. That must have been something to see. And out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and every one had four faces, and every one had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was the like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces in their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went, they went every one straight forward. And as for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. Oops, it's my place there. <laughs> uh, and they four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies, And they went every one straight forward, whether the spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. As to the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. So they were very fast, Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel, which is a, a gemstone. Okay? And, the, and the four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So, remember to hear that? that? Some different songs that talk about this, Ezekiel saw a, saw a wheel. And, uh, and they went. And when they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned, not when they went. As to the rings, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went, went by them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went, thither was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the creature was in the wheels." If I switch over here to the amplified, we can get kind of a little bit of a, oops, that's not the one I have. Uh, I can get kind of a little bit of a, a different uh, view, especially when it talks about the, the rings. When it talks about the rings, it's talking about the rims of the wheels, okay? As for the rims, they were so high that they were dreadful and the forehead, had their rims full of eyes round about. Okay? And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit went, the creatures went, and the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit or life of the four living creatures acting as one living creature was in the wheels. So Ezekiel saw something pretty magnificent. And if you can get past all the, all the different, you know, uh, flowery descriptions and everything, you, you begin to kind of understand that what he uh, was seeing was uh, these, these four living creatures that were standing uh, kind of in like in a, in a like like a like a rectangle or or square, okay. And next to each one of them was was one of these wheels that had a wheel in a wheel. In other words, it was it had a rim. It had a rim. In other words, it was a like a tire, but it was uh, but it was a spiritual wheel, okay. And and each one of the living creatures basically um, was in charge of of one of these wheels, or 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 the wheel went where it did. Or, and the creature went where the wheel did. And so when you've got these these four different wheels, and and in the midst of them is this is this uh, cloud of of fire and lightning in the midst of it. Well, you begin to kind of understand as Ezekiel goes on to describe some of the things that that he encountered and and the uh, the the word that he had from the Lord. And, he, and then you go if you move over to over to chapter ten, he, des- he describes this this. Uh, uh, Device, so to speak, uh, he just he describes it again, and you begin to kind of find out is that that this what he's beginning to see is is um it's almost like a like a chariot of some kind or or a carriage of some kind. It's basically um, the way that that the spirit of God was choosing to to manifest himself and and move around uh, upon the face of the earth, and so in in other words, it was kind of uh, it was kind of uh, God's coach, okay, it was like his, his uh, you know, you think about one of those old-timey stage coaches with the four wheels, and in the midst of them, you could, you know, you could win around, but, but his coach uh, was a little bit grander than anything we might think of, and you think about how fast it says that these angels moved around, it said they moved around like, like, uh, like lightning, like, and so, you know, and, and of course, the wheels go where they go, and they're all moving in tandem with one mind or one spirit, it says. And so, the spirit of God able to move around in in this kind of uh, uh, heavenly coach that that has come down. It's kind of a neat um, a neat uh, description when you begin to think about it, especially when you think about it in terms of um, some like modern day technologies and, and wheels and things that we have. You know, tubeless tires, um, tires that go on rims. They really haven't been around for all that long. And Scott, you could probably tell me tell us more about that but tubeless tubeless tires I mean it, it was it was even in this century that that we started out that carriages and and early vehicles were still using like wooden tires uh, their tires were still you know made of of wood had wooden spokes and those kind of things uh, so the invention of 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 rubber to use and then tu- tubes and tubeless tires even was was like was like the 20s or, the, or so when they began to really Kind of use those kind of things. Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, and so the forties or fifties. So it's even even later than I thought. But I mean, turn of the century, nobody had even heard of anything like a like a rim, um, and so this was their best way of describing it—a wheel within a wheel. When you think about. The way that your that your that your tires work, it, it's that's what it is. You've got the wheel, and then you've got the tires. So somebody who was describing it like that would see something, and you and they would say, "Oh, it's it's a wheel. That's that's within a wheel." And um, people have taken some of these these ideas and, and concepts, and they've actually uh, named them. There's a guy that's that's invented a series of of uh, wheels that, depending on the way that they that they turn. They never, they never actually turn like this. The the way that they spin and the way that he's got them rounded. There's a guy that's invented some tires that can make any vehicle go forward, back, or turn on a dime, and he calls it the Ezekiel wheel, and it's because of the way that he's that he's designed that thing. But it's pretty neat. But I wanted to give you guys this this idea of this this vision that that Ezekiel saw, because it's probably one of the most more famous uh, things that that he saw, and. He was seeing something that nobody had invented before. He was seeing something that was uh, that was heavenly. It was it was supernatural, and it was difficult for him to describe. And we know that he was probably seeing a a supernatural um, presence of of not just Jesus, but probably the the Father of the Spirit, because of the fact that he that he couldn't really see um, God in the midst. He, He described it more as as a fire. And, um, and the lightning that was going through it. In other words, the Shekinah glory of God was, was there to, uh, to kind of uh, protect him in, in, in that midst. But I want, I want you to understand that the, the visions that, that God manifests to you are, are sometimes so great that it could take a very, very long time for them to come to fruition. It could take a very, very long time for you to even understand exactly what God is trying to show you. Um, it took Ezekiel a long time to really understand what all God was trying to to explain to him, and I think even even till today, exactly some exactly what he was seeing and what a wheel within a wheel and what a rim is, those kind of things, we, we, there's no way that he would have he would have even known. And so, what I want to get across to you is is just that. Um, is that sometimes the, the, it takes a while after you see your vision for you to fully grasp and understand exactly what God was trying to show you. So don't be discouraged in, in the fact that you can't understand everything that, uh, that, that you saw. And God, whether God is revealing to you in a dream or a waking uh, uh, vision or, or even just in, in a word that you've been given, if you don't understand everything about it, don't be discouraged because God will reveal to you in due time when it's when it's time for that to make sense. Okay. All right. Let's uh, look at a couple of other um, things. I want to look at. I'm to look at uh, Acts chapter nine. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, connected to the Romans. So, there in the, in the first verse of Acts chapter 9, we are uh, on the road to Damascus, and we're talking uh, about Saul, who would later become Paul. And this is kind of the vision encounter that he had with the Lord. Meanwhile, Saul, still drawing his breath hard from threatening and murderous desire against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and requested of him letters to the synagogues of Damascus, authorizing him, so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, which would be followers of Christ, he might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. Now, as he traveled on, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, Then he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous, and it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goad. In some verses, it says, Hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Trembling and astonished, he asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? The Lord said to him, but arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were accompanying him were unable to speak uh, out of terror, because they were hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul got up from the ground, but though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was unable to see for three days, and he ate or drank nothing and then god goes on to uh, ask the, the disciple ananias to go and lay hands on paul and and uh, it says the scales fell from his eyes that almost like they were covered with some kind of a, a scab or something and and, the, and then he was able to see and if you remember god changed his name from saul to paul and he became argue, arguably the uh, greatest uh, apostle who's ever lived and uh, all from a man who just before that was killing Christians, and, and if you understood the top part, he was actually on his way to, uh, because he had gone to the high priest, and he was getting some letters that were going to authorize him to to kill Christians anywhere that he found them. And uh, it was his desire that to uh, to seek out followers of Jesus and, um, and slaughter them, because he thought he was doing God's work. He thought that they were um, lost in their way. He was a very devout Jew, and... Um, He'd even been there when um, the first Christian martyr, Ste- Stephen, uh, was killed. Remember, he held the coats for the men. That way they wouldn't be restrained by their coats when they were throwing rocks and stoning Stephen to death. So Saul has his own little encounter with the Lord. He has his own vision. And the thing that he actually sees is Jesus, the very person that, uh, that he thought was um, an enemy of God that he thought was uh, leading people astray, and uh, and that and so his vision was was something that would uh, change him forever. And in this in this sense, it was kind of a corrective uh, vision. It was something that was uh, very traumatic. Even the people around him, um, they couldn't even see what he was seeing. Um, they could only hear the voice, and and uh, they were so. T- terrified they couldn't even move. So, let, so you can imagine um, having that voice directed at you and then seeing the, uh, the bright light and the faces that, uh, that would go along with that vision. So visions um, and, and, and uh, words from the Lord are not always, um, I, guess, I guess, happy in a sense. They might be corrective. It might be something that, uh, that God is trying to, bring, trying to get your attention for, for quite a while and uh maybe 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 this kind of his his uh his last straw his last ability to be like look <laughs> um i'm I, I, you haven't been listening to me you know you got that uh, everybody hear that 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 joke about the the guy who was caught in the the flash flood you know and he kind of climbed up onto the roof of his house and he was full of faith that god was going to save him and and um along came a a, a boat and a and um, some of his neighbors had gotten, you know, one, one of their boats and they get together and they put their stuff and they say, come on, come on, grab some of your st- whatever you need and, and jump in the boat and we'll, and we'll, and we'll, we'll get out of here. Oh, no, no, God God's going to save me. <coughs> and then the, the Coast Guard had one of their little kind of dinghies because the water level was rising and it was getting pretty close to the, to the rooftop now. They said, come on, come on, we got to we got to get you out of here. We're, we're evacuating this whole place. You should have been gone by now. Oh no, no, no! God, my God's going to save me. Don't worry about me. So they go on, and finally, there's a, a you know, a rescue helicopter is doing one last pass, and they see him down there, and they're they're calling to him. and The guy hanging on the ladder. I got to get you out of here. This this is, this is your last chance. We've got to we've got to get you out of here. No, no, my God is going to is going to save me. So the guy drowns. Um, and you know he he's in he goes to he goes to heaven because he was a righteous man, and he just kind of. Uh, but he, but he drowned because he made a poor, some poor decisions, and so he's he's asking the Lord, well, Lord, I, I'm happy to be here with you, but but why? I had such faith that you were going to save me. Why didn't you save me? And God said, first I sent a boat, I sent a boat to to get you out of harm's way, and you and you ignored me, and then I sent I sent the coast guards to you, and, but you but you ignored me, and finally I sent a helicopter to try to get you out. And, but, you, but you ignore me. And uh, so sometimes we have so much faith that God is going to save us and, or that he's going to do a certain thing. Uh, and we've decided exactly how he's going to do that. It, he's going to do it in the way that we have envisioned uh, for, for him to do it. And we ignore the help that other people are offering us, um, sometimes not realizing that that God is, is choosing to work uh, through them in order to help us. And that, that's, that's true a lot of times. God will he'll often try to involve um, other Christians in, in his work to, uh, to assist you and help you. And um, if you can get more than one person involved, he, he will. Why do, th- why do you think that he does that? He does. He, do, he does love us. But I think he also wants us to share in, in the blessings and that, the ability to, to do his work. The Bible says, Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. It also talks about, remember, the, remember there's, there's a great number of scriptures that talk about the fact that, that Jesus is our head, but we are, we are the what of Christ, the body of Christ. And to be the body of Christ... Uh, each of us needs to have a function and something that, that we can do. And each and every one of us has something that, uh, that only we can do or, or in a group of people that only we can reach. But if we're the body of Christ, then he's probably going to use his body. Um, just like when you are hungry, you go to the fridge and you use your hands to open up the fridge and get an apple out of the fruit drawer or, or whatever it may be. You use your feet to walk over there. But you, you use your body to accomplish those kinds of things. So God will always try to use other people. And um, he wants other people to, be, to share in, in the things that he's doing. And we have to be kind of willing to listen and, and obey. But the vision that we have of how God is going to move doesn't always come to, um, to fruition in the, in the way that we think that it should. I think Saul thought that he was doing a, a great work the Lord and and helping to uh, curtail this this new fangled religion that was coming along and and changing everything that had been taught for thousands of years. And um, despite sitting down and actually listening to the message of of what Jesus uh, stood for and the fact that Jesus was a Jew and he came to complete the law and not to to get rid of it, but, but he came to complete it and that, that Jesus and his followers were actually the culmination of everything that the Jewish people had been looking forward to for those thousands of years. They had a vision too, and that vision had been there for so long, and they thought that uh, that vision would come to, come to be in a certain way because they thought the Messiah was going to come and be a, a warrior and free them from the Romans and lead, lead this big revolt And uh, because that was their most immediate need, they thought. That was the most, the most immediate thing. They wanted to be free from, uh, from that kind of thing, but I think God was looking much more long-term. We don't need to be set free from the Romans. not really our concern today, but, uh, but so, so Jesus came, and he freed us from sin from then forevermore, and it's something that applies to all of us forever, and so God's vision was very different than the vision of those of those people. Each generation of of, of Jew thought that, that the Messiah was going to come and set them free when they were taken captive in Babylon. They probably thought the Messiah was going to come and free them from that too. So you see how the your 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 own circumstances and, and the things that that, that are, you're going through right now uh, can very easily cloud your judgment and, and cloud your vision of what God really wants to do and what he's trying to do in your life. It's very easy to, uh, to just look at, at those things in terms of your current circumstances. Because we're very, we're very temporal people. By temporal, I'm talking about uh, time. Okay? In other words, the, the past matters and we certainly care about it. And we care about the future and what's, what's going to happen. But, but we live in the present. And what's happening to us right now matters much, much more to us than what's happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future. It's what we're going through now because we can't go back and live and fully experience the past, and we can't move forward and fully experience the future. We can only experience what we're experiencing now. And so everything that we do, everything that we see, any visions that we have, uh, any words that we think we're hearing from the Lord – are going to be colored on our current circumstances. And that's not always a bad thing. God God knows what your circumstances are and he certainly he certainly cares about them and and sometimes the the vision and the word that he has for you are for right now. But sometimes they're not. Sometimes he's you got to remember that he's looking long term because he's not temporal, right? God's not bound by time is what I mean. In other words, his present is very much our past, and our future, and, and, our, and our present. His present is always, is always now, and it's very difficult for us to imagine something that's where we're not bound by, by time. I think one of the last times that I, that I spoke with you guys, I kind of, um, I think maybe it was on a Tuesday, but I took, I took people and I said, okay, here's, <clears throat> here's somebody's timeline, right? <clears throat> and let's just say that this is my timeline, it starts here when I'm born, and it goes around these chairs and all over there all the way to here where my where my, my death is and I can't go forward or backward on that i can't I, I can't go backward on that timeline I can only go forward right and I can only go forward at the pace of of of, of time in my life and and along my timeline I'm going to encounter other people who'll come into my life you know I, I started out with on a similar timeline with with my parents and then i've I went to school, and I had friends, and I encountered their, them in their timeline, and then I met Chris, and I, our, our timelines kind of crossed. But I can't go backward on that timeline, and I can only go forward on my timeline. And so anything that's happening right now is, is the thing that matters to me the most because I can't, I learn from the past, and I wonder what's going to happen in the future, but, but I, can't, I can't experience anything other than what I'm experiencing right this second. Whereas you've got God and He exists outside of time, and we've seen what we've seen my timeline. Whereas God is looking at, at it from from the center, and He can walk over here and He can intercept and and, and, and inter, intersperse Himself into my timeline at that point, or He can walk over there and He can intersperse Himself at, my, at that point, or He can walk here to the later part of my life and He can intersperse Himself, and He knows everything that's going to happen along my timeline. And every part of it is present for him. And so if he knows the things that I'm going to encounter here, he may know that I need to begin working on, on things and encountering things and encountering some certain troubles to prepare me for what's going to happen here. But I need to work on it back there. And so he'll, he'll go back there and he'll insert himself into my timeline and, and give me a vision for things that he wants me to work on. And I tend to interpret that vision based on what I'm experiencing right at that moment when he inserts himself into my timeline, not realizing that the fullness of that vision won't be realized until this part of my, of my timeline. It's hard to know. So I say all that and all that temporal stuff and all that timey-wimey mishmash of, of stuff to, to say that, that um, be patient and understand that, that God's vision... And the, and the word that he's given to you um, may not be fully realized. Now it may be colored by what's going on with you right now, and he definitely cares about those things, but, but try to understand the word that he's given you. It may be corrective. You see, you see the thing that Saul went through, and it was corrective. But God knew that, that Paul would become this great man in the kingdom, and he knew that he would take the name of Jesus and he would spread he would spread what he called the way throughout the entire world, not just to the Jews. And so even though he went through some pain and that blindness that he went through for three days, he went through a name change. And, and in, the, in the end, that pain led the way for Paul to become the greatest apostle who's ever lived. Sometimes the visions and the things that we have for the Lord, sometimes his answer is no when we ask him for something sometimes the answer is not right now sometimes the answer is is not what we want to hear so and that's that's that could be very very difficult how many of you have experienced that or maybe you're experiencing it now where you you've got a vision and you're just not quite what not quite what you thought it was going to be or or I thought, I thought for sure I had this figured out but it's just I'm just not quite there. I think all of you probably have something in your life that um, that God has has shown you and and wants you to do. And if you haven't experienced that, then I want to encourage you to to pray about it. And we'll, we're going to pray here in, in a little bit um, that God will give you will show you a word and He'll show you a vision of of who you are in Him. And I think that's one of the most important things. <laughs> I wanted to talk about just one other. Okay, I think this, uh, well, that's Revelation. I think it's, so let's look at, well, um, let's look at, at Acts 7. So this it's gonna be later in the in the chapter. Acts chapter seven. This is this is when Stephen is is basically on trial for his life and, and um you know he he lost his life, but the people that he reached that day was probably one of the greatest uh, culmination of his, of his ministry because he, he, he speaks for an entire chapter really about, about all the different uh, things that God has done and, and showing kind of the way that, that God has revealed himself you know, through Scripture in the Old Testament all the way up to that point. And um, you know, he, he talks about uh, in verse 47 said it was, it was Solomon, who built a, Solomon who built a house for him. And, uh, and then probably one of the uh, most important verses is the next one, 48. However, the Most High does not dwell in houses and temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and earth the footstool for my feet. What kind of house can you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place in which I can rest? And I want to go back to the King James to read this. Hath not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised, in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them, which showed them of the coming of of the just one, of whom you have now been the the betrayers and murderers? Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it? When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. See, they, they had a vision too. They had a vision all those people that were stoning Stephen, of, of their own holiness. They had a vision of, of all the rightness that they did through the law. And they kept the law, and they made a big show of it. You remember, Jesus called them stiff-necked and as, as well. Okay? He's just re- Stephen's just repeating the things that, that Jesus told them. They had a vision of, of who they were in God, and it wasn't really based on any feedback that they had gotten from the Lord themselves, but based on how on their own judgment of how they thought they were doing, uh, in accordance with the law, and how holy they had made themselves by how they dressed and how they acted and how they uh, walked and talked and how much money they gave, but remember how angry Jesus got in the temple with the money changers. Those were all people who were taking advantage of the poor and those those people who were trying to. Uh, to, to just worship in the way that they had been prescribed, and you had to go and you had to make a sacrifice, and they were taking advantage of all those people, because when your vision gets out of line with what with what God wants and what His desire is, then then something needs to to change, and there's no, there's probably nothing worse than getting uh, caught up in your own vision, and that vision gets misaligned with uh, with God's desire and who God is. If your vision doesn't lead you to uh, to caring for people, or it leads you to disfellowship, leads you away from from the church. Then that's probably not not the vision that that God has for you. If your vision leads you to uh, to choose something over your family, to to and even leave your leave your family. I remember I remember we had a, a guy who came to our church once and wanted to wanted to preach, and and we'd never seen him before, in my uh, my dad asked him about his, his his wife, and he said, "Yeah, I had to I had to divorce my wife and leave her. She she didn't she didn't have the same vision I did for ministry." Well, that's not exactly uh, that's kind of a red flag there, because the Bible the Bible teaches that we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to marry uh, for life till death do us part, not till disagreement do us part. And, uh, and and i'm not saying that disagreements never happen and, and, and certain things can't lead to divorce that's not what i'm saying but what i what i'm saying is when when your vision for what you think god is showing you doesn't line up with the word doesn't line up with what you with what uh, you know you know to be true what god is is trying to get through to you then it's it's your vision that's off it's not the word that's off i mean this is, the word is supposed to be the standard for our, our life And if our life doesn't match up to to the standard, we don't change the standard to meet our life. We change our life to meet the standard. Amen. That's right. This is very true, especially especially Christians in America in first world countries, because you know technology and, and the economy and our society has come so far that we 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 very much live in like kind of an instant world. I mean, you can you can you can heat something up and eat instantly. You can um, you can buy something online and have it here like just very very quickly. You know. You can go to the store and just grab something now if, if, if you need to. <coughs> I mean, e- even 50, 100 years ago, people didn't have access to to the kind of things, not talking about just technology-wise, I'm just talking about being able to go to the store and, and, and have there so many different options or things. You had one type of this, one type of that. You, you go to the store now and you want bread, there's all kinds of different kinds of types of bread. Not only is it always available, but you have all kinds of different types. You can have wheat bread, and, and white bread, and dark bread, and French bread, and and uh, you can have bread that has this in it and that in it and all the different kind of options. And then when you add technology on that and, and the way that capitalism has allowed new technologies to not only be invented but that then to also be um, become more affordable, you think about all of our homes, even people that you know that we would consider like financially um, like, like destitute and really struggling still have microwaves, still have... Probably more than one flat-screen television in their home, have probably at least one car, if, if, if not if not more. Um, have yeah, cell phone. They have a cell phone. All these things. So so in other words, people that are that are by our standards today poor, are 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 better off than than the middle class of fifty years ago, and that's. All been made possible by by capitalism and and, and the the economy and the way that, that we have set ourselves up to be able to do those things and and I say that to say this is that when, when, when even our poor are living at such a, a high level it, it is sometimes difficult to to wait on the Lord. It is sometimes difficult to to be told no um, we we live in a victimhood society too. We've been told that, that nothing is our fault. Um, if we're late, it's not our fault. If, if this happened, it's not our fault. We, you know, we should be able to, to sue somebody or, or something. Nothing's ever nothing's ever our fault. You can and you know that because if if you if anybody makes an error and they're trying to tell you why, they've always got like an excuse. It's never like oh I just screwed up. You know we spend half our time. Um, even like in employment and things like that, trying to get people to understand that they that they did something wrong, before we can even get to the point where we can fix it. And I'm always I'm always overjoyed if somebody just goes like, "Yeah, I just screwed up," because because it saves me like half the time because I don't have to like spend all this time trying to help them understand that it was their mistake. I can just start immediately with, "Okay, good. Let's, now here's how we're going to fix it going forward." I mean, whenever you guys had your business, if you had you know, 10 employees who all weren't afraid to say, yeah, I just, I just screwed up. Yeah, you, would have, you could have run the world. And um, we're not used to being told no. And so when, when God tells us no, we, we decide we're going to go out and find a different vision. What if, what if Saul had done that? What if Saul had gone out and tried to find a different vision? What is what is the vision that that God has for you? And what is the vision that you feel like you have been given for your life? Most of you probably have several. Something about about your ministry. Everybody's supposed to have a ministry of some kind. No matter how, no matter if you're full time in ministry or or you've got a full time other other job, you're supposed to have a ministry of some kind, and you should be looking to figure out what that is. What is your vision for, for ministry? how what is your vision for your ministry here in this church we We need your help There's a lot of things that that we'd like to do and that we need to do and and um there's only so many people that are on staff there's only so many people that uh that are you know it's it's not it's not a Burke family thing you know i mean um there's there's people that we need we need help. That's right That's true When we decide we know better than, than God does, um, yeah, definitely creates a problem. And, you know, may, God may call you to, to, uh, to do something that you never thought you'd do or didn't have a desire to, but as part of that calling, He'll give you a passion for it. And He won't give you a passion every time that you do it, you know, but He'll give you overall a general passion for that thing. I can tell you one thing that. Ministry is, is rarely convenient, and that's the other thing. We live in a very convenient society. You know, when, even, even when I was growing up, which was not, not as long ago as, as, as some in here, and, and, uh, and longer ago than some, <laughs> too. So I'm, you know, as I'm approaching you know, real middle age, um, even when I was growing up, we were in church. We had church service. We had three church service services a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then and Wednesday night—I never would have dreamed of, of missing one. <clears throat> and you know, somewhere along the way, we started losing that. Somewhere along the way, schools uh, decided that that extracurricular activities um, were going to be, you know, scheduled over over normal like church services. And we, we had a we had a little bit of tough time with that when I was when I was young, but but uh, but in general. Schools actually respected the fact that you know the the, ch- the church and the role that it played in in uh, in the community, and they don't respect it at all now. They don't ca- they have they don't care that you have services on Sunday, let alone once once a, once a week. And it's and, and if you like dare miss, you know your your child is is out, and it's that's one of the reasons I didn't play like like baseball or softball when I was when I was young because they had practices on Wednesday and wouldn't budge on moving it. and that's why I played, you know, soccer and some of these other things because they're more willing to move but that's something that that it's it's more and more difficult to be a, a Christian and to, and to raise your your children in the church and to and to take a stand for things that are important. And I'm not saying you have to be here every time the doors open but 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 this should be your your membership here should be a commitment that, that you're making. You should be committed to 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 being here and being part of, of this of this uh, you know this service and, and part of this you know community of of Christians here at New Song, you know we have a lot of people that are missing. We have we have more than we have more than enough people on our membership books to fill this place twice over, and and yet and yet we don't, and and that's that's difficult. We need to encourage one another. I'm not, I'm not trying to put a guilt upon anybody. I'm trying to say that we need to encourage one another. It should be kind of a joy to come here and, and see each other. And, you know, having people come up and, you know, and, and uh, pray for me or give me a hug today, it was encouraging. You know, and, and, you know, when you are able to uh, <coughs> have some folks that will that can call, they can call you and, and you can call them when they're sick or when you notice that they're gone. But we need your help. We can't We can't do all the things that we want to do with just a, a very few people. Everybody's called to have a ministry. So need to kind of pray this year that I'm praying that this will be the year of vision, that you'll catch a vision for what your ministry is supposed to be here in this church and in, in this community. And it doesn't have to be full-time ministry. It just needs to be something that you can be involved in to help. You, sh- you should come and receive ministry here at the church, but you should also come and help to give Ministry to others, and it's never convenient. I can tell you with the with the worship team, it's not convenient to come Thursday nights and and uh, and to practice and to be here, you know, on, on Sunday mornings, and and uh, it's not convenient a lot of times to to give up my time of of ministry with the Lord because I have to be focused on what's happening in the music and how people are responding and those kind of things that that I have to make different time available for my worship time with the Lord. That's, that's a sacrifice. Ministry is always a sacrifice. <clears throat> it's not convenient. And it'll, it'll crop up at the most inopportune times. there will be a, a time that I'll want to go see somebody or take a trip. And I can't do that because I have to be here on on that Sunday. I have to plan ahead for those kind of things. It's, it is not convenient. Ministry is, is not convenient.
1: But I also want you to catch
0: a vision for what you're supposed to do and the role that you're supposed to take in your in your own lives outside of church, whether that's your role as as the head of your family and uh, keeping your your kids in church and in and in the things that that they're supposed to be, and and keeping in tune with their lives so that you know what's going on in their lives, you should know who your who your children's friends are. And You should have approval of of whether they're with those friends or not, whether they're the right friends. You should uh, you should be involved in in your children's life know what their what their interests are what they're doing what bands they they like be a part of your children's life because the moment you stop being a part of their life and the moment you lose uh an idea of of what of what they're doing is the moment that satan's going to take that opportunity to get them involved in something that that is going to lead them one step closer to uh to destruction it's you know you can call it whatever you want but i mean Children teenagers they're very independent, especially nowadays, but they don't have a right to privacy in fact, nobody in reality has a right to privacy it's not one of the rights that's guaranteed under our under our constitution that's not in there um, but, but your children you should be a part of their of their lives so you need to catch a vision for for uh, this year how you're going to make a difference in the lives of your children and your grandchildren and and your nieces and nephews, and whoever, whoever those kids that you have that in your life, that uh, that you need to be involved in, and 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 um, and help them to grow in the way that they should go. Catch a vision for for the for how you're supposed to minister at work and what your job is supposed to be. Catch a vision for how you're supposed to minister to your neighbors. Catch a catch a vision for what God has called you to do for work if you're between jobs or you're thinking about. Going to a different job. Try to catch a vision for what God wants in those kind of things. Let's, (laughs) yes. Yes. That's right. Okay, right <laughs> to Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of what that daily taking up our cross is about because you know, it's a lot of the the things that we that we want, it's the decision that we make, you know, is it's 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 not just a one time decision it's a one time decision today and then tomorrow you get up and it's a it's a one time decision it's just like whether you're trying something new you know people do new year's resolutions and i don't necessarily believe in resolutions but i but i, I do believe in goals and i do believe in those kind of things i think resolutions set you up for failure but goals set you up for success and i and i think prayer would be a great goal to have of, of praying daily or you know if it's just like people who decide that they're going to you know, go on a, go on a, on a diet or if they're, they're going to try to uh, do, learn some kind of a new skill. And they decide, I'm going to learn this new skill. And then the next day they get up and they, they decide again, I'm going to learn this new skill. Because if you just do it once, then it'll be easy to just be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I've done that plenty of times. I've just given up those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's every day you take up your cross. Every day you decide, I'm going to catch this vision for what God has for me. I'm going to catch this vision for how I'm going to minister to others, and I'm going to catch this vision for the kind of man that I'm going to be, the kind of woman that I'm going to be, the kind of mother that I'm going to be, the kind of father that I'm going to be, the kind of husband that I'm going to be, the kind of wife that I'm going to be, the kind of Christian and follower of Jesus that I'm going to be. So catch a vision for what that is. We've got a, a women's class that's starting pretty soon. It's it's a fantastic class. It's not easy. I've gone through the men's version of it. And it's it's not it's not an easy thing, but it is biblically sound, and if you'll follow it and and you will you will catch the vision of what they're trying to to explain in that class, it will make a huge, huge difference. Did you have something? Absolutely, God needs to be a part of of the goals that you that you make for this year. That's right. Center yourself around Him. Try to figure out what His desire is for you. Sometimes our desires and His will line up. Sometimes they won't. But if you'll catch the vision that He's trying to give you, it will it will fan that flame of of desire and passion in your heart for whatever that thing is. And if you go against it, you you try to do something that uh, that He doesn't want you to do. You'll, uh, you'll lose that passion or, or it will go awry. Amen. Let's, let's pray. I just, uh, just bow your heads with me right now. <clears throat> if you are in this place and you need to catch a vision or you've got a, a word from the Lord that hasn't come to do or you need a word from the Lord or you're just wondering, you know, what am I supposed to do next? I th- that means that you need to catch a vision. So with every head bowed, just raise your hand right now if you need a vision for what for God to do something in your life or to, to, to spur you on to give you a passion for something. <clears throat> all right, you can put those, those hands down. Father God, we're gathered in this place to honor you and lift you up. You saw the hands that were lifted up. I think probably it should have been all the hands, but, but there were a great many. <clears throat> so Lord, these men and women have taken that first step by raising their hand. And, and saying, I'm taking that first step, Lord. I need to have a vision and to catch the vision that you have for me for this year and ongoing. Or, I, or Lord, I need to re-catch the vision that, and the word that you've given me in the past and to truly understand it. Is it something that I've missed, Lord God, or is it something that, that, that was more long-term that I thought was just for, for now? Is it something that's more corrective? And I missed the corrective part of it and went right to the reward part of it, Lord. Lord, it's so easy for us to, to, to miss things. The enemy comes and, and tries to distract us and, and lead us astray. Sometimes we just get ahead of ourselves, Lord God, and, and um, we don't wait properly. We just decide we know what you're trying to say, and we just go forward with that. <coughs> Lord, help us to wait. Help us to wait on you. Help us to catch that vision that you have of ministry that we're going to have that we need to have in, in this church to help New Song grow because I want this place to flourish, not die. I want this to play be a place that people can put roots down and grow in the Lord. That we can have people that are unchurched come into this place and have enough people to minister to them. Have enough ministries that we can keep things fresh and exciting. Have content, Lord God, that will draw people, not push them away. I don't want to become a a dry church, Lord. I want to become a, a church on fire. We need ministers, Lord God, so I pray that you give people a vision for ministry. Well, even if it's something as, as simple as, as as cleaning up and being a being part of the cleanup team, it's not very glamorous, Lord, but, but Lord, it is something that's needed and necessary. Being part of, an, of our outreach ministry, following up with people and inviting them to church, drawing people close, part of our prayer team, whatever it may be, we need people to minister to children, to minister to help with the youth. <laughs> we need more people on our worship team, Lord God, on our dance team. We need people for our men's ministry, Lord, and our women's ministry. We need help, Lord. So I just pray that you would give people a vision for something that they can do and are capable of, no matter how small, Lord God. I also pray, Lord God, that these hands that you saw, that you would give them a vision. <coughs> For this year and going forward for what they're supposed to do in their lives. Whether it's a vision for their family and leading them into the light. Taking responsibility to get their family into church. And telling their children that they need to come to church and be part of, of the youth group. And no, it's not always convenient. It's not always fun. But every time we come together, Lord God, I know you give, you give me a little nugget of truth. Something that I can take with me and meditate on through the week. So I know that it's important. I pray that you give these people a, 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 a vision for who they're supposed to be at work. Whether if they're in the right job, that they would be led to people that they can minister to and, and they would grow in their job. If they're not at the right job, that they would be able to find that right job. Get, get a job, Lord God, if they're needing one. Uh, or be able to pave the way to know that they're supposed to move jobs is that, if that's what you want them to do. But give them guidance, Lord God, to catch a vision for passionate work and a light in the darkness for their communities and who they're supposed to be, Lord God, in in their marriage and in their relationships with others. Help them to catch a vision, to pick right relationships, healthy relationships, Lord God, to pick obedience to you, that ultimate relationship that we have with you, Father in our relationship with Jesus, that we will be the good bride of Christ, that we will obey your commandments, Lord God, because you, you, you said, if you love me, obey me. We choose to obey you, but help us to catch a vision of what you want us to be, Lord God, of where you want us to go. And most of all, help, help us to catch a vision. And You saw all these hands, Lord. Help us to catch a vision of who each and every one of us is in you. I am a son of of christ i am a daughter of christ (coughs) help us to catch a vision of what that means and your love for us help us to have perfect vision this year for your love for us and what that truly means how we walk in that daily and we take it for granted how daily we walk in your protection and your love and help us to return some of that love to you lord god help us to have a vision lord god in clarity of sight to be able to look to you And lift our eyes and see where our help comes. Draw close to you, Lord God, by worshiping you, by lifting you up, by thanking you. Not coming with just a prayer needs list, Lord God, but coming with with praise first, Lord God. We praise you. We thank you. Help us to catch a vision for who you are, who we are in you, and the kingdom that's coming. And lastly, I just want to pray for our country. Lord, all the things that are, that are going on right now, Lord, Lord I thank you that you gave uh, our president wisdom and, and our, our troops wisdom to be able to uh, take out that, that evil man who had, who had so many um, American lives on his hands and blood on his hands. Lord, <coughs> we leave it to you to sort him out in the, in the afterlife. But Lord, we, we thank you for protecting our troops. I thank you for protecting the people at our embassy. But give uh, our government wisdom the things that they're doing pray that you give um, each and every person at the local level state level and federal level wisdom as we're choosing new leaders this year and uh, and new representatives um, be with our president give him wisdom and honor him protect him Lord God pray for peace in our um, in our Congress I pray that they would that this year they would focus on things uh, that matter to, to, the, to the American people that I pray that they would focus on, on, on laws and, and, and helping to pass legislation that will will help others and will help draw people close to the plan that you have for our country, Lord God. They will not lose focus in that. I pray for our, our judicial branch that you will give them wisdom in, in, uh, in judging the laws and the constitutionality of laws, Lord God. I pray for our state. We're about to go into a legislative session. I pray that your will would be done, that the things that are put before um, our uh, state Congress, Lord God, would, be, uh, would pass things that are, that are honoring of you. And, Lord God, those things that, that don't honor you and are unwise, that they would just fall to the floor. I praise you and thank you for who you are. I thank you for who we are in you and help us to catch that vision this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, hug on some people before you leave, and thank you guys. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.